A birth is defined as traumatic if the woman was or believed she or her baby was in danger of injury or death and she felt helpless, out of control or alone and can occur at any point in labour and birth. It's important to recognise that it is the woman's perception that determines the diagnosis, whether or not clinical staff or caregivers agree. Hello there, welcome back to The Bleeding Truth. My name is Sally McNally, I'm the Irish midwife. And I'm Bridget, Sally's daughter. Today we want to talk about traumatic birth. And in just a little while, we're going to interview and chat with the lady, uh, one of my own patients who had a traumatic birth, and uh, she'd like to share her story with you all. Um, so uh, there may be some parts of this conversation that make some of you a little nervous, especially if you're still pregnant and especially if it's your first baby. So maybe don't listen to it if that's your case. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> maybe don't do Keep it for, lis- well, <laughs> for later. Listener discretion is advised. Um, some of the topics we talk about are a little bit more serious or heavy. And um, I mean, we, we're in a good mood or most of the time when we're talking about it, but it doesn't take away from the yeah. seriousness of some of the topics as yeah. well. Thanks, Bridget. That's so true. Um, But when we think about a traumatic birth, I really like that definition of it because it's the woman's perception. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've been in the labor room for many, many years and I have witnessed many, many traumatic births. Uh, We think that about 45% of women might have a view of their birth as traumatic in some form. Um, Wow. Yeah. That's really high. Yeah. And about five to six percent of women will actually suffer from PTSD, post-traumatic stress, just as though she'd been to a war or had witnessed a horrible, um, violent event. Um, she may experience post-traumatic stress symptoms. So it can range like a, a traumatic birth can range from mild uh, to severe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's the woman's perception, right? Um, right. For me, when I when I think back on uh, the patients that I've witnessed uh, that might have had a traumatic experience, of course, the obstetrical emergencies, the 1% of patients who have like a severe obstetrical emergency that's life-threatening, of course, that is a traumatic birth experience Mm -hmm. and i would imagine that most of those patients would suffer some form of ptsd yeah i mean i can imagine if you're in a situation where there has to be some sort of like emergency c-section or something there's like a huge loss of control or fear of you know the outcome Mm -hmm. where just that uncertainty can cause a lot of distress for anybody um And even if, you know, there's no negligence at all on the, the side of the doctors and nurses and stuff, it could still be terrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and, and this traumatic experience, uh, it can affect the, the baby. It can affect the partner. And, you know, honestly, a traumatic birth is one of those really 
bad 1% uh, and sometimes with the ones that have the really bad outcomes, that mm. can traumatize the whole staff. Of course. Yeah, the, the yeah. midwife, the doctor, the nurses, even the secretaries and the scrubs, everybody gets the the effect, you know, because right. where we work, it's about joy, bringing babies into the world. Everyone thinks, wow, that must be so much fun. And for the most part, it is. It is so great. And most right. of your babies, girls, most of your babies are going to come out just fine. Um, but we do have situations that are traumatic and we have to talk about them. Right. And we're going to talk about them today. Right. So when it comes to, you know, different areas of like what could be considered a traumatic birth, um, what are probably the most typical lead ups to what would yeah. be considered more of a traumatic birth? Well, a very traumatic one. Um, it might be something like the the emergency C-section that you mentioned. Right. She's having a lovely labor. Everything seems to be going well, but then all of a sudden uh, the baby isn't well or she isn't well or she's bleeding. Some Something happens that now we need to go to the operating room and do an emergency C-section. And then, of course, right. that's so different to what her vision of birth, birth plan. Was. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's why childbirth classes are so helpful because in childbirth classes that's discussed and you know if that does happen you have an idea of what to expect mm -hmm. and what to do that you can still mm -hmm. do your breathing and deep relaxation and that hopefully your partner can still be with you right just to have like some mental preparation like if this goes wrong or if anything goes wrong i'll like you know think about this situation to make myself yeah. calm down That's or something. Right. To have like, like even, a little idea, like a little trick to pull out yeah. of your bag of tricks. We were supposed yeah. to do that, you know, visualization wise, even when I was like a athlete for swimming, yes. you know, of course you're going into a race with a race plan in yeah. mind of, you know, you're going to do well at this, you know, yard mark and you're going to pick it up here. But yeah. of course, I mean, this is a minor situation, but it's like, yeah, things could go wrong. Maybe your cat falls off or, yes. you know, maybe you know, your finger gets stuck in the lane line. And yes. when those things happen, do you get thrown off totally and just completely fall apart in the race? Or do you, Fix you know, the problem, collect yourself, work with what you've still got right. and like keep going? I mean, obviously, that's mm -hmm. very different to right. a birth situation, but yeah. just having like a the ability to adapt right. can really help yes. in any stressful situation. That's yeah. such a good way of looking That's, at I it. I just I thought that. of that, yeah, as yeah. we were talking about it. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I say, how do you make God laugh? Show him your birth plan. <laughs> because like there might be one or two little things in there that don't happen. And Honestly, I have met a few ladies who are traumatized because they were so sure if they'd gone through this process of making a birth plan and that this is the way it was going to happen. And right. something didn't happen and that's all they can then focus on. And it's a constant annoyance and almost like a traumatic effect on them. Um, right. Like I've known a few ladies who really wanted a natural birth and went through my natural childbirth class years ago and and then they didn't end up having a natural childbirth. For some reason, they 
changed their mind and they had an epidural or even ended up having a C-section. Um, but then they were like traumatized, all their friends in the park and all their group. They all had natural births and why couldn't I? And they feel like a failure. And that's really sad, isn't it? But um, yeah. most of the traumatic births um, that or the perception of trauma in their birth, it could be something like having a laceration, you know, right. a tear that needed to be stitched or yeah. a vacuum extraction where the baby needed to be delivered quickly with a little vacuum. Or it could be something as simple as the way somebody spoke to her, like mm. spoke down to her or made her feel judged or made her feel stupid because she didn't know something. Mm -hmm. um, and then she felt, you know, uneducated or uh, that she felt like she wasn't doing the best for her baby. Or maybe not feel like just just if you feel like you're not being heard or something like that. You know, when yeah. you're in pain and stressed, that can definitely. Yeah. One would hope damn. that the more we talk about this, that the more it'll fall into the right ears. Now, mm -hmm. of course, we wanted to fall it into the ears of the women who are going to deliver the babies. But we want this information to fall into the ears of the midwives and doctors that are delivering babies right now. Mm -hmm. I believe that the training in, you know, the hospitals is so much better. You know, there's, there's, when I watch the new doctors uh, recently do, do, doing deliveries and stuff, they seem to have a better way of talking to the patient. There's more of a, an even person to person rather than I'm the doctor up here and you're the patient way down here. And um, that's right. something. Not like a power added. imbalance. Right. That, yeah. That's kind of. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, we we have to realize that we're doing a job and the patient uh, is our job. You know, they're delivering. They're the boss. <laughs> they're the boss. Yeah. Well, that's how I feel like, I mean, obviously not in every case, you know, they can't make all the medical decisions, but but yeah, they should be respected. Right. For sure. Yeah. I remember every word that was spoken to me during my birth and delivery. Right. And if you're remembering the words that you've seen the doctors say to other patients or, yeah. you know, whatever case, and it sticks in your mind, imagine how much it probably sticks in their mind. Yeah. You know, for their yeah. birth. Yeah. But even though I perceived my birth as beautiful experience in my life, I remember in the in the weeks after it, every now and then I'd get kind of like a little tremor of like, oh, like, oh, there it is, that that feeling of the ring of fire and it's about to happen. And there's that mm. like, oh, it's like a oh, pretty wild uh, experience Feeling. having a baby, wow. Bridget. It's wonderful. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was like a little kind of like a tremoring kind of feeling inside me. I remember that. Um, and I often thought, wow, is that? Tra traumatic um, experience no it couldn't be because I loved my birth but what if a woman has like pretty much normal birth normal physiological birth but um, something like the way somebody looks at her or talks to her um, or maybe her partner not being able to be there due to COVID or something like that um, all of that can 
lead to uh, the perception of a traumatic birth and she may never get over it. But then there's there's a, a lot of other things that can cause a traumatic birth, like the baby not being well and going to NICU. Uh, the baby being stillborn, very traumatic, of course. Of course, yeah. Um, we hope to have a lady talking to us about that subject at a later date. And sometimes, too, if a person hasn't, you know, educated themselves about what is birth, um, then they can be terrified of what's happening inside their body. And their own mind can be where the trauma is coming from, that you mm-hmm. you've, you feel the contraction coming, but your mind might say, you're going to die. This is not right. This can't right. be right. You know, and yeah, not to not to draw it away from the birth part, but that's also like in a lot of cases of, yes. you know, mental health. Yeah. You know, it's how you perceive the yes. situations around you and yeah. or how you allow yourself to think about it at a later date and just rumination and stuff yeah right yeah but it makes complete sense that it would be the same yes for this type of ptsd too right, right. but then when we go back to you know the severe um ptsd symptoms uh, can you imagine a young mom there she is she's trying to learn how to breastfeed and look after a new baby and she's going through you know uh, these types of uh, signs intrusive memories where all of a sudden the the traumatic experience is right there just like a soldier coming back from a war and avoidance of talking about it or or thinking about it or being around other women because all the other women are gushing and happy and um, negative thinking and even her mood could be negative uh, and of course when you when you have a traumatic birth you're way more likely to have postpartum stress and anxiety or a perinatal mood disorder of some sort mm-hmm. um, and then changes in her physical or emotional reactions uh, you know like being irritable and guilty all the time and, and start a startle reflexes is heightened uh, she's on guard all the time. Sometimes she can even be self-destructive, like eating too much or not eating enough or, or using something like drugs or alcohol to um, to soothe the way she's feeling. Right. So it's it's really important, you know, that we, mm-hmm. we're on the lookout for it. What I love to do is go to a woman the, the day after she's delivered. She's had a little time to process, you know, and... Then to say to her, you know, well, what do you remember? Tell me your birth story. Even if I've been the midwife that delivered her, and I know what mm-hmm. my perception of her birth was. But I know that that it's not my perception whether it was traumatic or not. It's her perception. Right. You know, and uh, maybe the baby had to go to the warmer um, to be looked at by the NICU staff for some tiny little reason for a few minutes. That could have been huge in her mind, you know. Yeah. Or she might just like to tell me that it wasn't traumatic, that it was beautiful. But as I'm listening to the story, um, I might be able to pull out little parts that you know, sound like, oh, that might get stuck in her mind later. We don't always Mm -hmm. have time to dig into the birth stories, but I always encourage women, tell your birth story. It's really important to tell all the little details 
and also the partner to tell all the little details to hear yourself telling that story um because it's a huge, Helps to process huge milestone yeah. in your life um, and then you know if you've come across some women when you're talking to them like that and you realize it was a very traumatic birth for them Mm -hmm. like what do you do then right well of course we have to get them help we have to find um we we do the the mental health screening on everyone Uh, but Mm -hmm. if we suspect that you know she's having a harder time earlier in her postpartum period we're going to start doing those mental health screens earlier in the office and see her more often in the office Mm -hmm. and then see if she needs a therapist if she doesn't already have one we'll give her mental health resources if she needs medication we're going to give her antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication and we're going to you know refer her to places like the postpartum support international a big fan postpartum support international they have a lot of resources they have a 1-800 number um that you know you can call day or night there's always a therapist we'll there. we'll link that one as That's well the best one i love that one and there's other ones too there's one called patch p-a-t-t-c-h mm-hmm. um, right. we'll link that one too that one's prevention and treatment of traumatic childbirth yeah yeah so to to lead up to the prevention, what can you do to prevent it? Educate right. yourself. Go to your mm. prenatal classes. Talk to your providers. And um, so our job is to protect you and get you around those big boulders in that part of your life if they show up. Um, your job is to you know, not expect a big boulder, but you know that to know that if it does show up, how do you gravitate yourself around it with our guidance and help? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really sorry. I am very passionate about this subject, but um, like I have had women who've had what I would think of as, oh my gosh, such a traumatic birth. And I go to them the next day to see how they're feeling, like after a postpartum hemorrhage or emergency wow. C-section. And they'll say, um, I'm so happy. Look at my baby. And their whole focus seems to be on the joy now they right. have their baby because they they knew that if these things happened, that they were going to be okay. They were going to get through it. And right. Uh, yeah, definitely so some people have a, a lot on strong preparation yeah yeah and just personality i mean like some people yeah. tend to look as if the glass is half full or yeah. versus half empty and that could change just like the simple things of you know how you yeah. you know interpret an experience i always like but, that um, you know is the glass half empty or is it half full what we all forget about is that it's refillable right if you can <laughs> But if you guys are, you know, with us so far, please make sure to like and subscribe. And we're going to transfer over to that conversation with Charity and hear her story. Thank you. I appreciate being here. Thank you for the invite. So, Charity, um, you were very well prepared. You educated yourself. (laughs) Um, Tell us about um, what you, you thought your birth was going to be like to start. What was... That's a great question. So I should say that um, 
that my age actually played a lot into some of the decisions that we made. Um, my husband and I are both 38, 37 at the time that we conceived. Um, we had uh, gotten pregnant uh, very easily, thankfully, um, that which was such a blessing. And when I saw my first pregnancy test, um, I knew instantly that I was going to miscarry, unfortunately. And um, I did two weeks later. Um, I was prepared for it mentally. I was. I didn't feel like a sense of loss. What I was not prepared for um, was how quickly we got pregnant again. I actually had a cyst on my right ovary. And so um, I went in to see Sally. We confirmed that it was um, a miscarriage, unfortunately. And we discovered through an ultrasound that there was a cyst on my right ovary. We were going to keep an eye on that. But it was good news because it meant things were working. So fast forward, um, I go back as a follow-up appointment and um, I think it was about 30 days later, I was pregnant again. Uh, wow. And so that was a little bit surprising because of how easily it happened both times. Um, prior to that, I had never, I didn't even know if I could conceive um, and I had been on birth control for so long. So we um, had decided to wait a little bit later in life for several reasons. We wanted to travel and make sure that we were prepared um, mentally, emotionally, financially, as much as you can be. I don't think you can ever be fully prepared, but uh, we had also recently had made a big move up to a very small town in central California. Um, we're actually in Ojai. And uh, we just decided that this was the time to start a family. So in thinking about my birth plan, I wanted to make sure, I wanted to first see what I could do as a woman. And I wanted to go into it as holistically and as naturally as possible. And we were very lucky because uh, we were introduced to Sally kind of by way of friends. Sally had helped assist with um, several of our friends' babies and they had beautiful, healthy, um, easy deliveries. Uh, they talked about her skills as far as just making sure that they felt so comfortable. Um, all of them were very proud to report that there was no tearing. And we immediately knew this is the direction that we wanted to go. And so we decided to, um, like I said, just really research everything. We tried to make sure that we were very prepared. And our first step was signing up for a hypnobirthing class. And so I did a lot of visualization. I talked to a lot of people and um, I thought at the time that if you write a well-crafted plan, everything will go according to that plan. <laughs> I've since learned that's not the case. Right. So, um, <laughs> yeah. How do you make God laugh? <laughs> Show him your birth plan. <laughs> That's what I've heard. I've since learned that. <laughs> well, and I, I remember seeing, you know, the, the, the sweetest smiles on some of um, the nursing staff faces when I hand them this long list and they, you know, they smiled. And I, I can say, and I know that this is not often the experience for others, but the one thing I can say with my whole medical team is that every single person that I came into contact with during my delivery tried to honor me in that plan. Um mm which, you know, I think we'll, we'll talk about, you know, here in just a little bit on, on how that came into fruition because um, they really did everything they could to honor me in that plan, which was so great. great. Um, and, and I was so thankful for. Yeah, that's really great to hear that. I love that. That's great. Yeah. 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 So what at what point, you know, you during your, you know, actual birth, did it kind of go sideways you know yeah. was everything like going well at first and then just something went wrong or I haven't heard Sally didn't tell me the story yeah. yet so yeah. so I, I should kind of rewind a little bit and hopefully I'm not giving too long of answers but no um, worries really yeah. 
I had a really great pregnancy. Um, mm-hmm. I was also a little bit concerned. Again, uh, I know that age shouldn't make that much of a difference, but um, right. I, I thought that it would have some some bigger effects. And so one of the things that I didn't mention previously was that we did, you know, kind of with some encouragement based on kind of the some of the viewpoints in the town that we live in was talking about doing a home birth. And there was a lot of encouragement for people um, that we're close to to explore that. And we did. We thought about the idea. And um, I think that's definitely a decision that everyone has to make for themselves. Um, I thought because I had such a beautiful pregnancy, um, my first trimester was a little rough as it is, but the rest of my pregnancy was fantastic. Um, I ended up going a little bit over my due date. I um, needed to be induced at 41 weeks and five days, which um, I didn't see that happening, but I also was very comfortable up until the last minute of my pregnancy. I would have gone two more months if uh, if it would have been safe. Um, I was really loving it. And so we, I ended up getting induced. There was a little bit of a waiting list. I had some family in town and um, they had come out for 10 days uh, and got here. My due date was May 12th. Um, they got here May 10th, thinking that they were actually going to miss the delivery. Um, and then being late, they had only planned to stay for two weeks. So um, I had uh, my aunt in the delivery room with me and Mark. And so we go in and we started with some Cervidil. I was able to kind of progress. Um, my intention was to, and through the hypnobirthing process, I had visualized doing a natural birth. Um, That was very much my plan. And after several hours of one solid contraction, um, I decided to tap out a little bit. Um, The one promise I had made to myself, and this goes back to to the wonderful nurses in my room and honoring my birth plan, is that... um, you know, at no point was anything ever um, pushed towards me or heavily encouraged. They let me kind of really drive, um, which was great. And the promise I made to myself was that I would try every single thing at least once before I decided to do an epidural. So I got mm. the tub, I bounced on the Good. ball. I, um, we did, uh, Sally, remind me of the name with the scarf. Um, the Rebozo. Rebozo. We tried some of that, um, tried all the things, and uh, uh, I ended up um, only being dilated to a four at that time. And I thought, oh, I've gone this long and I'm only at a four. I'm going to be here for days. And so decided to do an epidural. After that, I was able to really kind of relax. Um, I'd given myself permission to forgive myself if I made that decision because I was so set. And when I had visualized my pregnancy, I didn't even, the thought of a C-section never even came into my mind. It really didn't. I really had had visualized my, my birth so much that I knew that I was going to push. And within, you know, the first 30 minutes, likely I was going to be holding my daughter. Aww. And so it was, um, this is a long answer. And let me get to your question. Uh, it was about a little over three hours in when suddenly mm-hmm. things took a turn and things changed a little bit. Gotcha. Yeah. And that was just like the realization of this isn't going to happen the way I had planned pretty much. Or, yeah. You know, yeah. I give it an analogy um, when in talking with friends, the thing that I can say um, I had when, when it came time to push, I felt emotionally, mentally, and even physically, I felt fantastic. It felt like such a beautiful experience and my heart was so full and I would not have changed a thing. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, when we were, uh, I'll let Sally go into a little bit more detail, but my daughter was very low in the birth canal. Sally is like, I'm touching her hair. I can feel her. We're so close. And I felt how low she was and I'm pushing and pushing and 
the women in my family tended to deliver very fast. And so um, when the first hour rolled by, I was kind of like, come on, I'm yeah. tougher than this. What yeah. is happening? And so I'm pushing some more and, you know, I'm kind of getting in touch with my like inner lioness and I'm like, and you were, down. I was just thinking of a lioness. You were so strong and your, your energy was perfect. Your effort at pushing was perfect. Um, and you were trying all different positions and all different types of breathing. And you were fabulous. There were, there was, it was perfect, but the baby wasn't coming out the way we were, we would yeah. expect. Is there like a reason or like what, what causes that to happen? You know, well, not fully you know, dilating or? We, for most babies, it's the position that they take. Mm. Um, and I think that was your case, Charity, the baby's position. Um, the baby presented with the widest part of their head instead of tucking their head down to present with the mm. narrowest part. Um, Bridget, there was so something really interesting that happened. Um, this is a funny story, and, and this um, will cause different people to have different maybe reactions based on their beliefs. But when I was 21 years old, I was at a large county fair in Wyoming, where I'm originally from. And there was a lady, I'm standing in a, in a crowd of people, probably 5,000 people. Um, there was a lady who I seen kind of weaving through the crowd and she was making a beeline towards me. And she came up to me and she said, excuse me, we've never met before. You don't know me, um, but I need to tell you something. It's so important I tell you this. And I said, okay. And she said, you have a tilt to your uterus and it's going to cause you a problem one day. And mm -hmm. I thought, oh. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. And, um, you know, it was so odd. I thanked her and I, I stored that away and I ended up mentioning yeah. it to Sally. And, and it's very common. You know, Sally, it, it, yeah. it is pretty common for that to right. happen, correct? Oh, to have a tilted uterus? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they tilt forward, antiverted. Sometimes they tilt back, retroverted. Sometimes mm -hmm. they stand straight up. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's it can be you know common to lean one way or the other. Yeah. So somehow, and that causes like difficulties, I guess. Well, not usually, or, but hmm. maybe if it went left or right, that perhaps that could. And if you had a big ovarian cyst, that can push it over into one wow. direction or another too. Yeah, that's and, wild. But this know, lady never... could see through you. She could. <laughs> She knew somehow, and and I never I never looked at it as um as that was like you know I didn't when I was doing my visualization I didn't go into it thinking oh this I'm going to have a problem because this lady told me this it was simply like right. hey, I have yeah. this bit of information so we can avoid a problem yeah. um and I did not think it was going to have an issue and so about it was a little after three hours of pushing the only way I can describe it was. Throughout my whole birthing experience and while I was pushing, I was in the car by myself in the driver's seat. Um, it was a very internal experience. And suddenly something shifted and it was like somebody else had gotten in the car with me and I was in the back seat so I could see and hear what was going on. But I was no longer in control of what was happening with my my body. And I just mm -hmm. remember I, my family has kind of laughed about it now that my aunt said I went from calm to crazy in about 15 seconds. I mean, it oh, was, no. Sally, I'd love to hear your perspective on this. Cause oh, all of a sudden I just it was stop, stop. like you had, um, it was like an epiphany in, in you that mm -hmm. you had this inspiration that you knew and none of us could talk you back into pushing and let's keep going. There was, no, you knew you had to go and have a C-section. 
Yeah. Wow. You knew. It was that maternal instinct. It was like, I need to protect my baby. I'm going to have to tell you guys, no, we have to do this. And it was really, really amazing, really strong and uh, very direct. And we all knew that was it. We had to go and do a C-section. We're so happy. challenging because she was so low. You know, we wanted to Mm -hmm. avoid that surgery and we wanted to Mm -hmm. do everything. And I just, all of a sudden, one of the things we didn't mention is that as I was pushing, um, each time I would push, um, the baby's numbers would kind of decelerate. And then when I would stop pushing, Mm -hmm. they would recover, which is, again, I think is fairly common. It's fairly Um, common, but it was getting worse and deeper. Yeah. And I didn't see that. Um, but, uh, uh, Sally and, and our wonderful nurse said, you know, that they mentioned that Nikki was going to be on standby. And I think that's all of a sudden when I realized mm. um, this is very interesting. The other thing that happened as well is that we decided kind of midway pushing that we thought maybe the epidural was going to be kind of interfering, you know, just because you don't have as much. Oh, feeling. yes. We turned it off. Yes. So we decided yes. to turn it off. And um, right before um, I just, you know, right before I got in the back seat, uh, all of a sudden, from my eyebrow down to the tip of my toe on the left side, felt like somebody had broken every bone in my body and lit it on fire. My right half felt fine. I didn't have one ounce of pain. It was just, I think that, um, you know, my, my belief system was that that was God's way of saying, you have to listen to me and you have to trust yourself. And um, it was it was just like all of a sudden my intuition took over and my my traditional voice was very much yeah. pushed to the back and, yeah. and then it got a little crazy from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. So wait, so you had like a total split where, you know, half your body was just in pain. Yes. And it was, wow. and it was a pain that, uh, you know, I've never done this before and of course haven't since, mm-hmm. but it was a pain that I wouldn't associate with labor. It wasn't right. like what I would assume was a traditional Doesn't sound labor. like, Yeah. Um, because even my face felt like it was on fire mm-hmm. and I was having pain in a shoulder blade and weird things where it was just mm-hmm. like, there was no way to ignore it. And all of a sudden it was, um, I just, all of a sudden I yeah. said, stop, stop. We have to it stop. Was, and, right. And your face wow. even was like, something's wrong. We have to change it. Something's wrong. And it was like, it was startling really. But, uh, yeah, so we all kind of like, where you gotta go? We gotta do this. And we got Dr. D spelled yeah. and we all like went in pretty quickly too in to do a very story. quickly. Yeah, wow. it was I yeah. do remember saying something and um and I was so surprised because I, again I hear I'm hearing the words that are coming out of my mouth, but I don't know where they're originating from. Um and I just remember mm-hmm. saying if we don't get in the OR, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And um, my nurse and Sally said, you can't die during a contraction. And I'm like, no, um, if we don't get in there, I'm going to. And then since right. having conversations with Sally and Dr. Diesfeld, um, I don't want to jump to, you know, I don't want to surprise, ruin the surprise ending, but I did end up having a postpartum hemorrhage. And wow. Dr. Diesfeld has since told me that that likely, if by some miracle I was able to push her out that there's a high likelihood that would have happened anyway. And it would have mm-hmm. been more challenging to um, find the bleeding to get stopped. But I thankfully ended up having um, a, uh, a transfusion. And what's interesting is that, you know, Sally is very meticulous, as you know. And I mean, we crossed every T and dotted every I. And she actually sent me to do a huge hematology workup um, prior mm-hmm. to giving birth and everything came mm-hmm. back great. 
So we didn't, yeah. I mean, we thought we had done everything that there was. Wow, no yeah. And so Shardy, may I add this little bit to your story that you please. did have a little extra bleeding after having your tonsils removed. Was that? Your, yes, my tonsils and my uh -oh. Yes. Yeah. I've had that. Yes. <laughs> I had a very scary experience with tonsils. Yes, you did. Yeah, twice, really. twice I had to go back into the ER for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Go under and get the recorderized. That sucks. Right. <laughs> and how so old were you? Can I ask? How that was you? right before college. So I was like okay. 18. Yeah. yeah. How so old you're, were you? I mean, yeah. Um, you, you knew that you were, that it was something that you um, knew enough to be afraid of it. You know, it's not like when you're yeah. a small child and you don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was, I mean, I've heard also like if you get that surgery done when you're a little kid, that it's not as bad, mm -hmm. but as you get older, it's a lot tougher to, to heal. Um, and yet it's just hard when you can't hydrate as easily because it hurts to swallow. And then what happened was in the middle of the night, it would like the scab would break open. And then I was like, yes, blood so everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So, it's so like a movie scary. scene. Yeah. Glad you're but, here. Um, you made it <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, I mean, I, I think, it was good because she, Sally helped me with like an IV and stuff. So after a good. while I was all right. But um, yeah, like, does that make that something like a scare for, you know, later in pregnancy? Yeah. So um, I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't nervous going into my pregnancy. I thought, um, right. I thought the biggest challenge that I was going to have to overcome was um, getting pregnant and that like, right. it happened so seamlessly. Um, and then we have had a lot of talks and, and Sally can um, share her thoughts on this too, but we've had a lot of conversation on um, if we ever wanted to do this again. And our, our original right. plan was always to be one and done. And when I visualized our family, I only saw a daughter. Um, oh. And mm -hmm. so I think that, you know, because of that, I do still currently sitting here right now today to have a pretty intense fear of getting pregnant. And um, that's perhaps part of your traumatic, um, post-traumatic stress, you know, yes. too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's wow. very understandable. Yeah. And that was actually one of my questions I was going to ask, you know, if you have even considered, you know, yeah. going through oh, that yeah. again, yeah. but yeah, that makes sense. But let's hear the story from yeah, the, yeah. when you went into the OR, what happened <laughs> then? What? So Because sometimes the cesarean can, it's a little traumatic, but not very traumatic, right? Sometimes yeah. it can just, baby comes out and everyone's happy. It's all over. But yes. not in Charity's case. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. So um, I should mention that um, Mark, my husband, is a former Navy SEAL and is, um, is a combat veteran. And so he is very good under pressure and stress. And I remember kind of mumbling, this can Mark stay in the, in the operating room? And they said, yes, as long as you stay awake. Yeah. And so I'm like... Okay. <laughs> um, but at this time, I mean, she's so low on the birth canal. I'm at the stage and I don't know what the terminology is, but where I can't even stop pushing, even if I wanted to. Yeah. So we get in there. I, I decided that I knew that there was going to be some trauma that I was absorbing. So I decided just to seal my eyes shut because I was going to have the auditory and the physical trauma. I didn't want the visual trauma as well. So oh, wow. That's smart. Yeah. <laughs> just sealed wow. my eyes shut and we got in and- a very um, wise woman. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, we get into the OR. Um, at this point, I'm begging the anesthesiologist, please, please do something, please. And he said, I, you know, I'm going to get you all set up. And 
he starts giving me something and I feel like I'm going to vomit. So I'm on my back. Things are furiously happening below the curtain. I don't know what's happening, but they are prepping quickly. I'm still pushing. I pushed in the delivery room or the OR, I'm sorry, for about 10 minutes because we thought we could still get her out. She was so, she was right there. Right. Um, and uh, so um, I start feeling like I'm going to vomit. And so I'm dry heaving on my back. Mark is holding my anesthesiologist is to, on my right shoulder. Mark is on my left wow. shoulder. Um, they start prepping me for surgery. They decide it's time to, for go time. And I believe it was an ice cube. Um, the anesthesiologist says, can you feel this? And I, I could feel it on my head. Can you feel it on your chest? Yes. Can you feel it on your kind of your C-section stomach area? No, my lower abdomen. No. Um, but I did feel because of the anesthesia, I felt like I was, um, I was having a difficult time breathing. And I've always heard if you're talking, you're breathing. And so I said, why does it feel like I'm choking? And he says, that's part of it, but you're talking. I'm watching your numbers. That helped relax me. He said, you have plenty of oxygen. I said, okay. I did not feel the first incision at all, but somehow I felt quite a bit after that. I could feel, um, I think it was, a, I, it was at least six hands um, on different parts. I remember one being kind of like on my hip and I kept saying, why do I feel this? Why do I feel this? And again, that shoulder pit, that shoulder blade yeah, pain. Wow. Was I was like, why is my shoulder feeling it? I mean, it felt like someone was just like stabbing wow. me in my shoulder. And, um, and so I just hear him say, we're going to have to put her under. And, you know, things are still, I mean, everyone by this time is working so fast. And, and what Mark will say is that it was like a symphony. He said that the way we, and I'm going to let Sally speak to this, but I guess there were some extra people in the OR that day and everyone was doing their job so efficiently and so beautifully. He said it was like watching a symphony, you know, and everybody was so calm. Um, he's so the doctor, the anesthesiologist, um, said, I'm, I'm going to need to put her under and I could feel the anesthesia coming on. And right before my eyes closed and I drifted off, I heard the tiniest little cry. And I remember looking at Mark and I said, this is the part where I tend to get emotional. I said, she's safe. I don't know. I got her to you. She's safe. I don't know if I'm coming back. I love you. And oh, um, wow. um, the next thing I remember was that I was flying over the orchards in our town, looking down on all the orchards and I'm flying over Ohio and I keep hearing charity, wake up, charity, come on, charity, wake up, charity, wake up, charity. And I'm like, who's talking to me? I am flying right now. And, you know, I'm having a great time. And it was me, they were trying to get me to come up kind of like in post recovery. Wow. And, um, yeah. So that's the part that I remember. Uh, yeah. And Sally, I'd love to hear from your perspective. <laughs> what happens <laughs> of the curtain? <laughs> right. Well, wow. You, uh, your baby uh, on the way out, your uterus had a little tear up the side. Do you remember Dr. D discussed mm -hmm. that? Uh, yeah. But of course you started to bleed and mm -hmm. it was very hard to stop that bleeding and get it stitched up uh, in time. And we could tell by the amount of blood that it was a it was a hemorrhage. You know, mm. there's a certain amount that we can kind of guess, estimate. We call it an mm. estimated, but sometimes we have to do a quantitative. So we're actually counting the amount of CCs that you're losing with a special little machine. Mm. Um, wow. So we were doing that, and and we we knew let's um, activate the massive blood loss uh, call, which is to call the 
the, the lab, the blood bank and say, mm. we need to activate this now, which they send us units of blood and clotting factors and plasma. And they send it like in a little uh, cooler and it comes right to the OR. So mm. it's great. We have everything we need to, to give you right there. Yeah. But, wow, you you were having like a, a really serious postpartum hemorrhage, you know, mm-hmm. while Dr. Diesfeld was um, he immediately was like he didn't wait until they gave him a number of how many CCs he could just tell. Let's do it right now. Yeah. 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 So um, that was great. You know, he's so experienced that, uh, you know, you were yeah. in great hands. And I will say, I, I think that the most important thing to say is Lennox. Lennox Love is our daughter's name. Yes. She's born on May 25th um, and 4.23 p.m. And she could not be healthier, more well-developed right. and healthier. And I think, you know, looking back, it's hindsight's always twenty twenty, but... I really think that the reason why I didn't go into labor, her kicks were so strong and I was so comfortable. I think she knew that, um, you know, she just needed to stay put until I came and got her. She kicked me on the way out. Did she? (laughs) (laughs) She did. She totally did, yes. Maybe she has a soccer future. (laughs) Sally, is it it true? Um, She came out because she was so low when she was released. She was so low. She spun around, right? Yes, yeah. Um, I I believe somebody was pushing from below to push her back up. And then she spun into a breech position. Mm -hmm. um, And uh, that's probably when that little extra tear came to to make you bleed up in the uterus yeah um but then yeah so he had to deliver her in a breach and she was kicking and kicking on the way out (laughs) that's amazing because i had to take her then and bring her over and i had to like turn her over and i was like so happy to see her Uh, but she was like give me a good kick in the arm i was like she's fine she was really strong. We, um, once we got into recovery, the one thing all the nurses said is that we've never had to wrestle a newborn to change her diaper. And she just we thought that maybe she has a future on like a kickboxing team. Yeah. She's yeah. got these legs that are so strong and yeah. um, she's got this spirit about her that is you know, she really is our little, our little warrior woman. We call her. Um, well, her and- mom is really strong. Yeah. You know, um, you you used to ride horses in the um, rodeos, right? Uh, I was I was married to somebody previously who was active in rodeo, but I grew up in Wyoming. Um, rode a little bit, um, but was an athlete all my life, and uh, you know, just um, very competitive. Yeah, <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> yeah. What sports did you did you um, engage in? So I, volleyball was my primary, I gotcha. and um, I played volleyball through college, um, awesome. and that was my main, my main yeah. go-to. Yeah, that's so like, cool. I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, so the one thing that I have had to work very hard to make peace with, I didn't realize that, that, um, that there is something that, you know, a traumatic birth experience. That was all new to me. I, I didn't, I didn't ever realize that it was a thing and mm-hmm. also how prevalent it was. Um, the one thing that I struggled with quite a bit is um missing the missing the moment on the chest and then missing watching mark see her Mm. for the first time and cut the cord how was mark in there oh gosh you know um i 
I think he was like quiet, but uh, peaceful, so strong. His energy is mm. so strong, isn't it? Just being mm. in the room, everyone's like aware of him. He's got this force <laughs> to be reckoned with yeah. all around his aura. You know, he, he doesn't say a whole lot. But his energy is speaking for him. You know, you better not mess with that man. That's how we all feel. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he he was like gazing at his baby and he, he was over behind. And a few times I was looking over to see how baby was doing. And of course, baby was like, wow, wow, I'm doing yeah. okay. And um, he was just like gazing down at his baby and just oh. so happy but of course then we had to put you to sleep so right. he didn't get to bring baby to you he had to go to the recovery room yeah. and uh, be out there with the baby without you yeah um, but I have a feeling he was probably doing skin to skin out there was he can I tell you? Yes. And can I tell yeah. you, she is now five months old. I just attended my first mm -hmm. conference for work. And so Mark um, watched her. We went as a family down to Anaheim and Mark watched mm -hmm. her during the day. And for the first three months of her life, and anytime I leave them alone for longer than 10 minutes together, that baby is going to be in a, just a diaper and they're going to be doing skin to skin. And they did skin to skin uh -huh. from that very moment. Um, even now they do it yeah. if they have longer than 10 minutes together and I'm not oh, there. Um, yeah. For the longest time I said, you know, we have to get her dressed because she's not, and she still is not getting dressed because we just didn't dress her for so long. Yeah. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, I'm so glad that they had that bonding moment. Yeah. And yeah. the thing that I struggled with a little bit was um, I was very, I was very, decided and dedicated to breastfeeding yeah. um, but it took some time for my milk to come in which is yeah. they say very common because of the trauma and the oh, surgery yeah. and the transfusion um, and that was the one thing that I really struggled with when I got home is that it was in the height of the formula shortage um, oh wow yeah my milk hadn't come in I need to feed my baby and that's where I started to feel that was the first time that I started to feel like I had failed in some way um I'm happy to report that we supplemented a little bit of formula for like the first four days. Since then, she's been exclusively breastfed. And so Yay. I'm so Yay. grateful. You're amazing. And Mark also got it in his own way. And um, the bond that it's created has been pretty incredible. Right. Wow. Um, Charity, isn't it a shame that women feel guilty, even though you went through all of that, that you feel like, oh, I've, you know, I feel less than because I'm not getting enough milk or, you know, uh, but the thing is, you were fabulous. You know, you listened to your instinct. You helped us to listen to your instincts. And then you went through all of this. And now look at look at what's happening. Your baby mm -hmm. is perfectly normal and healthy yes. and strong. But do you still have moments where you go back to like, oh, those gaps in your memory of what must have been happening and yeah so there's a few sometimes that, it's the not knowing that's traumatic right so there was a few things that um that i think are would be really helpful for other women that are listening to this to know moving forward uh the first thing is i should say that i had a little bit more of exposure than i would say what is maybe traditionally common because of Mark and his interaction with the SEAL teams and several of our friends being combat veterans. So I thought mm -hmm. that I had a good understanding and grasp on what PTSD is. Um, foolishly, in my mind, I always thought, well, you just need to find peace within the situation and find that silver lining. It doesn't work like that. Um, 
I immediately started having flashbacks in the hospital. Like every time I closed my eyes, I would start hearing the sounds. Um, and that's when I knew um, pretty, pretty early, like I am, I'm, I've got some, some post-traumatic stress happening here. Yeah. And wow. um, the one thing that I was very fortunate about is that Mark and I immediately started talking about it. And when I would used to tell Good. this story, I couldn't get it out without sobbing. And I talked to as many people as I could about it. And yeah. every time I would say it, um, it got easier and easier. The other thing that I think was very, very helpful for me, and I would encourage any woman who's in this situation or knows of anyone in this situation, is that I had an angel, all of my nurses were angels, but I had this one particular angel of a nurse and she said, I hope you won't be upset with me and I hope I didn't overstep. But I called somebody from, um, I think it was social, social services. services. Yes, yeah. social services. I want to make sure I use the right term. And in my mind, I'm thinking, what am I doing wrong? And I, I kind of got a little bit scared and she says, no, I think it's just nice to have yeah. somebody to talk to. Yeah. And this mm, woman wow. was a saint. I mean, Mark and I absolutely loved her and she came in and she just listened to us. She gave us resources on, you know, who to reach out to and, you know, different, different strategies that might help. Um, I would highly encourage you to, as you're considering your birth plan, um, just being aware that some of those things exist, maybe not mm -hmm. incorporating it as part of your plan, but mm -hmm. just knowing that in the event things happen differently than you expect, mm -hmm. that you have different right. things that we can offer you. Um, particularly at CMH and Ventura, they were, I mean, this lady was incredible. Um, and what's, so this is something that's a kind of a funny little story, how all these come together. So the necklace I'm wearing says Lennox, um, oh. and this was my push present, um, which I was adamant that I needed to get, uh, <laughs> even before everything happened. Our, so the lady who was, um, uh, our social service worker had on the, ex this exact same necklace in the same font, but her said love. And that's our daughter's middle name. Wow. And, oh, beautiful. <laughs> and I thought amazing. I kept staring at her necklace and it was almost like God, you know, or the universe just telling me you're going to be okay. Yeah. Um, now when I got home, I was so, I think as all new moms are, I was so eternally grateful and I did, I did underestimate the, uh, hormones that happened, the hormonal yeah. shift. Um, I'm thankful that I don't believe that I had a lot of um, depression, but I had a lot of fear afterwards. And I would just hold her. And it was, it was a really interesting feeling because you're so grateful and so many things could have happened different. And it happens, everything happened so perfectly that we got the most beautiful, amazing, incredible outcome. But I still was sad yeah. and mournful of certain experiences that I lost. And right, there was a right, time, right. I think Lennox was about two months old and I remember getting up and I was in her room with her and I remember getting up, she was asleep and I went into our room and Mark was on his phone, just kind of scrolling as we do sometimes late at night. And I was just sobbing and I said, I never got to see the way you looked at her the first time. I'll never get that Aww. back. And um, he's such a great man. And he says, he said, you're right. He said, and that's sad and that's okay. He said, but you'll get to see every other look I give her for the rest of her life or the rest of our life. And Aww. I was like, 
you know, that's all right. true. Yeah. Yes. You know, yeah. I was like, all right, I can give up one time if I get all the rest of them. And, yeah. um, and so I think being able to talk to people mm-hmm. also, Sally, you, um, you know, we did the assessment. I think it's important for women to know that that exists. And I tend to be a perfectionist overachiever. So when I first filled that out, I didn't want to be honest with myself, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, and so, um, thankfully you were so warm and the staff is so encouraging there that I filled it out again and the numbers were quite different. Um, and so I think for women to know, give yourself permission, uh, to feel your feelings because nothing that you feel is wrong and it's okay. We know it's okay to ask for help, but that doesn't mean that we're a failure in any way. And the other thing is that we don't know what we don't know. And there are professionals that it's their pleasure. I've realized to help assist us. And there were not yeah. a burden in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that was one of my biggest lessons that I would want all moms who have a, you know, a stressful birth experience. Yeah. know, um, and that even if your situations ends up perfectly beautiful in the end, the way that mine did, it's still okay to feel the feelings of sadness and, you know, even jealousy for some things right. like those are normal. Right. And even wow, a little yeah. grief because mm-hmm. you didn't have the birth that you were hoping and planning for. Yeah. Yes. There's a, a kind of a little feeling of loss, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think the other thing, I mean, the big message, if there's like one thing I can say that, and this is from, you know, pregnancy, birth and throughout motherhood um, that I've learned over and over and will continue to learn with every day is trust your gut. Trust your intuition. Yes. Um, yes. Listen to that inner voice, even when it doesn't make sense, even when you're in the front seat and you get shoved at the back seat and you don't know why, go with it. And So um, interesting. You're, you're so spiritual, Charity. I just love it. I love that your, your, your intuition is so strong and that's going to help you throughout your whole life and it'll help you with mothering. You know, Mm -hmm. your intuition about is my baby safe throughout the rest of the time you have with her? You know, you listen to that intuition. It's it's uh, it's going to steer you in the right direction. I'm sure of it. And your your husband as well. You know, his experiences with his life led him to be the right person with you in that experience, too. Um. We've seen, you know, traumatic births before and sometimes the the partner's not able to cope with it as well as, say, Mark could cope with it. Mm-hmm. Mark, mm-hmm. you could feel his his energy. He'd been through something similar before, you know, or he'd mm-hmm. witnessed, you know, hard things or perhaps even he's had his own experiences with post-traumatic stress. Um, mm-hmm. But but he w- he knew how to handle it. He knew how to stay calm and to be with you. Though his face became more serious, mm-hmm. um, uh, but but he knew, and you I'm know, sure he, he's traumatized a little bit from it as well. I was just going to say you you brought up something that I think is really important that I'd love to include on this episode mm-hmm. is that uh, one of the things that I find happens so often is that um, I come from a family of predominantly women. We don't have a lot of boys in our family um, other than through marriage. And uh, when we initially when we initially got pregnant, uh, you know, all the attention is on the new mom and you're and, and rightfully so your body is going through a lot of things. But um, I remember my uncle, uh, who I'm very close to, 
making sure to carve out time to say, Mark, how are you feeling? And, and my aunt would say, Mark, how are you feeling? How is this experience going for you? Because it is very much a partnership. And, Mm -hmm. and I think allowing them to have their own experience and then to take when it comes to, you know, to fast forward that and whether it's a, a beautiful, easy birth or a traumatic birth, you know, even though physically they are not going through the same things that they are mentally and emotionally, um, spiritually, they absolutely are. And I, and so being able to, you know, recognize their trauma. Um, I know that at least in our household, men have a different way of communicating that and sometimes not feeling as open to communicate with that. And I think that's something that we found to be very healing within our relationship yeah. is being able to come together and say, let me tell you what happened in the room from my eyes. Mm-hmm. Tell me what happened yeah. in the room from your eyes. Yes. And how are we feeling about that now? And Every because we, detail. It was so different. And I think it's very difficult for men who are traditionally these natural protectors to watch this thing, you know, whatever the the thing is, um, happen to their partner and and their baby, um, Mm -hmm. very scary because they feel so helpless in that moment. And that's that I felt so helpless but I knew I had a great team. Yeah, I knew you had a great team. And and I did. I had a really great team. So, yeah. well, we had a great patient. Um, but I felt you. like I did need to apologize for turning yeah. so crazy so fast. But I, I know that you uh, don't hold that against me. Absolutely. No, no. I think uh, you're just so intuitive. And I, I loved it that you could, you know, feel that instinct so strong that you were like, no, this is what we need to do. And, you know, I always want to listen to women's intuition. Um, Sometimes we might get a woman just coming in. She's still pregnant. She's not in labor, but she instinctively knows something. There's just something wrong. Mm. And then when we look in there with an ultrasound or, you know, yes, indeed, she's right. We should listen to women. Wow. But Charity, I want to tell you that your story is so strong and it's going to help women. Whoever, you know, listens to this, um, sometimes they're just interested in the stories that we're telling them. Um, But I know that this is going to help women, perhaps women who've already been to a traumatic birth, but also women who who that is their future, you know, that. To know that to listen to your instincts and to trust that you're going to get through this, that, you know, tell people what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you need. Speak up. Thank you. And and I encourage women, too, that if, you know, if for some reason this happens to you, um, ask your medical team what happened from their eyes as well, because I think. You know, you had mentioned sometimes it's like the, the things that you missed or what happened. Um, being able to have some of those pieces to put, even though you don't know where to kind of file them away to, yeah. it's helpful to yeah. to see that, to know. Um, and especially because, you know, during, you know, everything seemed very, very normal. Yeah. You know, you had done this thousands and thousands of times that there there was no way to know without speaking up. and um, And it's it's okay to ask the questions of your team and to trust them. And, and I think that's the other thing is making sure that you find a team that, you know, early on in your pregnancy that you feel so comfortable with 
and mm-hmm. um, you know that will connect with you in several different ways. I do have to honor somebody really fast. We had the, the radiolo- radiologist. Is that the proper term? For, um, oh, the ultrasound tech. Yes. 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 So, um, Lainey. Yes, Lainey. She was so incredible. I looked forward to seeing her every time. I got oh. to do my 3D ultrasounds. Oh, I'm um, going to tell her. Day. And there's this moment where I have to tell this funny story. Every time I would go in, I would be so excited to see Lennox and she, little stinker, would just hide from me. She said, no, I don't get to see you. You have to wait to see me. And she would hide and hide. And Lainey would, you know, maneuver and move quickly and just do everything she could to get me a good picture. And on my birthday, Mark, unfortunately, was the only ultrasound that he missed, had to be out of town. And... All of a sudden, we look on the monitor, and Lennox, we finally got her face to show, and she starts licking her umbilical cord. And we were (laughs) laughing so hard. And Lainey's like, I have never seen this before. And I was like, cute. I was like, I'm giving birth to a little weirdo. (laughs) And um, that is hilarious. Everyone, but yes, I'm so grateful for her. She was, uh, she was amazing and very much part of the journey as well. Yeah. She sounds unique. Well, so your baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so wow. it's, when you when you have the traumatic yeah. type of birth that you had, it's it's really important to talk about it like you're doing because mm-hmm. all the little jigsaw pieces, the jigsaw puzzle pieces of your birth story eventually mm-hmm. start filling in in your mind, um, so that that can calm you. Uh, and uh, give you your birth story. It may not be the birth story you wanted, love, but mm-hmm. it's a great birth story and it's uh, a strong woman and you were the right woman to, to have this baby. You know? Well, I'm so grateful. And I think the, the most beautiful part is that even though that's not how I anticipated my story beginning, mm-hmm. I get to help facilitate how it ends. And that's the most important right. is right. that, right. Yeah. you know, is that the first part was out of my control, but I'm so thankful that I still get a story. And that's the mm-hmm. thing I remind myself every day is that I'm so lucky that I was yeah. always surrounded with love, that I had the tremendous amount of support that I do and that I get to stand here and I still have the honor and the privilege of still being able to have a story and I still get to add pages to that every day. And that's what I try to focus on. Um, Every once in a while, there's a feeling that kind of circles back around, but I I will say that the days are so much sunnier now, you know, five and a half months in. Um, Tired, of course, as we all are at this stage. Um, But I wouldn't, I I wouldn't, even if I could, I wouldn't go back and change a thing. Wonderful. You're so strong. You're so, so wise. wise. And I think yeah. all the wor- words you've like shared, you know, we couldn't have said it better. Yeah. You yeah. know, I think just hearing it from you will help someone that listens to this, yes. you know, absolutely. Yes. Well, I appreciate you guys giving me a platform to do so. And I, and I want to say thank you both to the work that you're doing, because I mentioned this before we start recording. And I, I think it's important to let the audience know that uh, the Bleed and Truth podcast helped get me through a lot of, you know, tearful nights. And when I was having some of those big emotions, hearing other people's stories, um, mm-hmm. was very calming and helpful to me. Yeah. And so I remember kind of texting Sally saying like, when's the next episode coming? Oh, 
<laughs> Lennox isn't sleeping through the night yet. And this is how I get through. Oh, um, so sweet. So it was very helpful to, to, to do that. And I think the work that you are both doing is so helpful in helping so many women. And um, I'm grateful to be a part of it. Thank you, Thank you for you helping so us. Thank you for yeah. helping us with our work. Yeah. It's Thank my pleasure. You. We'll have to do a lot more episodes now, Mom. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's, let's get back on it. Yeah. Thank absolutely. you, Charity, Ma'am. dear girl. You're a joy to talk to. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you both. And if you guys are still listening, please make sure to hit the like button and subscribe. You know, if you're on Apple, if you could leave a review, that really helps. Um, and we hope to bring some more beautiful stories like Charity's in future episodes. 